Welcome to the TW Sports Group podcast. I'm Tim Waring. Today we'll be speaking to Joel Carlos Pereira. Joel was a professional footballer before starting his coaching journey. He is the UEFA Pro License Coach, and from this podcast you will hear the hunger he has to continue learning, networking, and sharing with coaches at all levels. As manager of Swiss club Grasshoppers, he won a Challenge League in 2020-21 season. He was the lead coordinator of Aspire Academy in Qatar. Joel became close friends with the current Barcelona manager, Xavi. Sit back and enjoy this episode with Joel Carlos Pereira. Hello, Joel. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. How are you? Hi, Tim. I'm fine. Thank you. And you? I'm good, thanks. So uh, so we'll kick things off. Just tell the listeners, whereabouts in the world are you today? Well, I'm uh, I'm in Portugal. This is my my home. I, in fact, I was I was born in Angola because at that time, my my parents were working there for a small period of time. But I came I I came back to Portugal. I was four, and I stayed ever since then. Very nice. And whereabouts in Portugal? Well, I'm I'm 120 kilometers north uh, of Lisbon by the sea, just by oh. the the seaside. Very nice, very nice. I'm sure you've got better weather conditions than uh, we do here in Belfast today. We have got snowstorms today. Oof, that's that's bad. Well, here <laughs> we've been uh, we've been having our share of rain today. Uh-huh. Uh, which is not very, very common. Anyway, <laughs> we cannot complain. Oh, fantastic. Well, I always like to kick off the podcast with talking about something recent in each of our guests' careers. And you won the Challenge League in Switzerland with Grasshopper in 2020-2021. So just tell us about that success and that experience working in Switzerland. Well, I, I had the opportunity to, to work there before in uh, Servet in First League some years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it was the season 2010-2011, if I'm not wrong. And, uh, well, I love the country. Uh, the country is a, is a, it's a very well-organized uh, place. It's, um, it's, people can have a very good uh, life standard. Uh, it's um, the atmosphere is 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 very good. Uh, the the countryside, the mountains, uh, the lakes, the landscape is amazing. Mm-hmm. So the food is good, uh, and it has the advantage of being in the core of uh, Europe. Europe, you know, mm-hmm. it's from there you can fly easily to everywhere in in Europe. So I really enjoyed it. Uh, in terms of social, uh, cultural way mm-hmm. uh, about the competition itself. Well, it was a very intense season uh, because we were we were in the first positions from day one until right. the last one. Right. And this you, you can imagine how how challenging it is to keep. Uh, going and uh, trying to beat, trying to win every m- match, with knowing that all the opponents will try their best to bring us down. Mm-hmm. It was very, very challenging. Uh, on top of it, uh, Grasshopper is it's it's a top club uh, in Switzerland. It's the club with more titles in the in the history of um, Swiss um, football. Oh, wow. and uh, you know it's uh, every game it's 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 a fight every game is uh, our players needed to give 100% so we had uh, we had quite a task but uh, finally everything went well fantastic and eventually we we were very happy with uh, with uh, this this kind of experience yeah, yeah. And talk us about any any players that might be familiar to some of our listeners that you had that well, season. There was there was a, a player on loan uh, from um, from uh, Wolverhampton, uh, Connor, and I oh. think uh, is is um, 
I think he's Irish. Uh, and, uh, well, we had a couple of uh, players on loan from Wolverhampton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most of the players were local or from the Portuguese uh, league or uh, players I knew from Portugal. Yeah. And when you arrived in Switzerland at, at Grasshopper, was there, what was your remit as manager? You know, was it the case of, right, we're expecting you to challenge for this league title? And I suppose, as you say, you were top from day one right through. That that brings a different kind of pressure, as you've, as you've yeah. talked about. Um, but just, just, just tell us about what was expected from the board. Well, it was very clear. Uh, the club wanted to be promoted. Um, the club uh, was in the second league, I think, for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, two seasons ago, before they they were relegated to the second league, and they failed mm-hmm. the the possibility to get promoted uh, the next year. So, on the second year, they they really wanted uh, to to get promoted, no matter what, mm-hmm. and we accepted the challenge. We, from my perspective, we did not have quite the best squad uh, in terms of options, in terms of uh, even maturity, because we had a very, very young squad. Mm -hmm. But in the end, everybody put an extra effort and, you know, uh, we grew a lot together and the team could evolve in a way that we were decent enough to to be up to the challenge. Yeah. And I mean, talk us about like a like an approximate schedule, you know, your, your typical week as a manager and players, you know, training every day, um, you know, how long do you have the players in and access to and so forth that season? Well, uh, we we had um, an academy with uh, several quite decent uh, pitches to, to train. Mm-hmm. Our our facilities were, were good for the context. But they were not top, especially in terms of uh, social areas. Uh, also, on top of it, we had to deal with, uh, well, this this uh, pandemic, and mm-hmm. you know we couldn't. We had very strict uh, rules uh, in the organization in order to avoid uh, contact between more between a lot of uh, people around the team so we created kind of a bubble Mm -hmm. we spread the team into three dressing rooms Um, we had to be joining in small groups for meetings uh, for food for 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 meals so it was not so easy but in the end we could we could manage uh, properly all through the season and uh, of course we had some this this type of constraints but uh, normally I would go to the club around 7 a.m. 7.30 the training sessions would start around 10 uh, 10.30 uh, and uh, players would have a breakfast and uh, lunch all together and in the afternoon when we did not have any sessions, uh, we used to have some meetings uh, by individual meetings or uh, small group meetings by mm-hmm. sectors or lines. And after they were released to go home and we coaches, the staff would stay around six, seven. We, we worked really, really hard because it was a very tight schedule. We had, we were, we had moments of playing uh, three matches in a week. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, December and March and April, we had the months. I think uh, there was months of uh, 10, 10 and 9 matches uh, in, a, in a single month. So it was very, very tight. Uh, but yeah, this was our, our context and uh, we tried to create... Uh, um, uh, all the we tried to have an organization around the team in a way we could we could uh, take the best out of each uh, player and uh, 
create a, a challenging but uh, also motivating uh, environment for the players to grow. Yeah. And I mean, it must have been a strange season, you know, you touched on the pandemic. How did you find, obviously, the stadiums, they were empty, no supporters, no fans? Yeah, it was it was quite uh, strange. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of the season, we played the club a couple of matches with uh, uh, up to a thousand uh, fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, very soon, I think after the second or so, uh, we started to play with uh, no spectators in the stadiums. It was quite quite uh, unusual. Mm-hmm. We could not feel the support. You know, it's very, it's very important when we play home, especially uh, to have this extra boost of energy yeah. coming from the stands. Yeah. And you know, on top of it, uh, Grasshoppers is a is a big club in in Switzerland, and we have uh, fans all over the country. But we could not have them in the stadium, so it was uh, it was. Uh, let's say, a special uh, season. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I mean, congratulations on that success. We will revisit as the podcast goes on, um, alluding to that and your systems of play. But I want to take it right back now to growing up as a child. Uh, when you started playing football and how did you get involved professionally? Well, I, I started in... Um, I, I, as I told you, I live by the sea. And... Uh, it's a small place uh, um, placed in the middle of a forest. Um, so there's the connection. The nearest uh, town is uh, 10 kilometers away. Mm-hmm. So from the beach or from the seaside to, to the next town, it's, it's 10 kilometers of forest. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's quite isolated, but it creates a, a quite uh, interesting atmosphere, especially in... Uh, spring and summer days because of the the the, um, the closeness uh, uh, to the to the sea to the sea and um, i started to play on the streets by on the at the at the, at the beach um, with some friends and i developed this interest in football because my father would take me once in a while to watch the, the local club of this nearest town and on top of it, sometimes he would take me to watch some Benfica matches in, in Lisbon, yeah. especially these uh, international competitions uh, matches. Uh-huh. So I kind of developed this, this kind of appeal towards football. And when I started to go to classes uh, after my, when I finished my fourth Great! I started to go to to Marinha Grande, which is this local, uh, this uh, biggest place near. Uh, I had to move schools there, and uh, I started to have contact with uh, guys that were playing football in um, in, in this club. So pretty soon, I got invited to go there, and well, this is where I started. I started around eleven. Mm-hmm. And I did all the the training until nineteen. I I started to play in the in this club with uh, with seventeen. I I made my debut in the with seventeen mm-hmm. in the first team. And uh, two seasons after, I was uh, I was invited to a first league club, Academica. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I moved in. And uh, I started to become a professional at that time. I was around 20. Right. And what position did you play? Well, I was a winger, uh, offensive midfielder, mm-hmm. either one side or the other. Yeah. You're right both footed. You used mm-hmm. both feet then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was I reading, did I read this correctly? You stopped playing at quite a young age. Was it the age of 25 did you stop playing? No. Um, look, my, my career was quite, uh, as a top league player, it was quite uh, short. Mm-hmm. I had the two seasons in Academica. Uh, at that time, I, 
we had to go to to the army it was mandatory mm-hmm. so in two seasons i had i was one year and a half mm-hmm. in the in uh, in the army so i lost my momentum and when i i i went back to second league to a second league club mm-hmm. in the end of the first in the of the, that season i i was doing an amazing season but uh, i had a big injury in my on on a knee and acl and uh, then i i played uh, um, like three or four seasons more at a decent level, but I was struggling with uh, pain, becoming or coming back to the same level of performance was not so easy. Mm-hmm. So I I decided to stop playing as a professional and I I went back to amateur football and I started my education. Well, I went back to to school, to the university and so on. So I played until the 32nd, mm-hmm. uh, until, until 30... Um, too, yeah. but uh, last years, as you said, from 25 or 26, I I went back to the university and I was playing as an amateur at the same time. So whenever I f- I finished, this was my plan. Uh, yeah. the, the moment I finished the studies, I would stop playing football, and this was uh, this is it. I struggled a lot in the last those five last years of uh, football career uh, football player career because uh, i i suffered uh, quite a lot and and was it just the you know in terms of the love of the game was that was that what kept you in your route then and get involved in coaching yeah it 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 came it was not part of the plan in fact i, I never thought i had the profile to become a coach uh so as i told you the idea was to to finish the studies and start a, a, a different career in, uh, in the management uh, business uh world uh because i did international business uh, management and um well it it uh, collided or it i it i finished playing for this local club here at that time, mm-hmm. and uh, I told them I'm finishing my studies. I will not play anymore. And uh, very soon they started to invite me to 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 continue. I I told them no. It was not my my plans. So they came up uh, with a, a new idea, becoming the coordinator, the technical coordinator of the academy. I refused a couple of times, but in the end. They insisted so much. I said, <laughs> "Okay, I will continue as the coordinator of the the academy." And uh, when I was kind of preparing everything, the head coach of the first team got sick in the in the first week of training sessions, and they they told me, "Look, uh, the coach uh, decided you should be the one taking over the team until he gets better." Mm-hmm. And well, I accepted under this condition of uh, okay, whenever you come, you are better, you come back, and I will leave. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, or fortunately, we never know, he <laughs> never came back. Right. Uh, unfortunately for him, uh, it was a serious uh, illness. And uh, well, I continued to be the, the coach. We did very bad in that season. We nearly uh, f- were relegated to the to the um, regionals, mm-hmm. uh, but the next season, with more or less the same team, we got promoted, and uh, so on. I yeah. continued. I started to to enjoy a lot. I feel I felt this this challenge. Uh, of becoming a coach and I started to enjoy it and it was really really motivating uh, moment for me to because I'm I'm a lifelong learner I like to learn I like to to improve and uh, well this clicked mm-hmm. something uh, on me and I mean you t- tell us you know, it was the start of your coaching journey and I'm one that you know you continued your coach education with getting your coaching licenses you're you're a UEFA pro license coach yeah. How long did it take you to get to that level? And tell us more well, just about the next clubs that you visited then. 
Yeah, I I moved after four seasons in the, in this local club, Magnes. I I moved to another one, Pombal, which is between Marinha Grande and Coimbra, where is Academica, where I played. Mm-hmm. And I became well, I was there two seasons, and uh, at that time, Pombal was a, a club that normally would go up and down from third to to second league. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we were fortunate to in these two seasons to fight for the promotion. In fact, in the first season, we almost got it. Almost, it was until the last the last minutes oh, of the yeah. season. And uh, after that, uh, Academica, well, they they were in first league, and the coach was uh, Artur George. Uh, he won the Champions League with Porto. He was the PSG coach. And uh, they invited me to become his assistant. Mm-hmm. So uh, I became assistant of first league without a pro license uh, degree. Mm-hmm. And in fact, after uh, three matches, he decided to leave. He had a huge offer uh, and the opportunity in, uh, in another country, in uh, Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. and he left. Mm-hmm. And they brought in another coach. I was his assistant until this until January, mm-hmm. but uh, things did not go so well. And they finally invited me to 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 be the coach until the end of the season. And I still did not have the UEFA Pro license. It was quite a special uh, situation at that time. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was agreed uh, with uh, the coaches and. Um, the federation uh, that uh, I would attend the, the next uh, course, uh, and that's that's uh, that's how it worked. Yeah, yeah. And then talk us through then your next couple of roles that you had that involved another club, another couple of clubs in Portugal, but also then you travelled overseas and start coaching as well. Yeah, it was something that uh, I always had this kind of appealing to go out. Of the borders and uh, learn, mm-hmm. learn, learn, learn yeah. to see another, to see and to be part of other types of football, uh, to learn different uh, approaches. Well, even before going uh, to to a club to train or to coach uh, in a different club outside of the country, I was. Whenever I had the chance, I was going out of the country and uh, attend some internships with uh, uh, coaches or clubs. So I always had this kind of um, uh, idea of uh, have the contact with the external world. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Mm-hmm. I became, I became a, a, a global coach yeah. with a portable uh, career. <laughs> and I've been uh, everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, one of the ones that I want to talk about is your project with Aspire Academy in Qatar. Yeah. I'm really intrigued about that project. I mean, can you tell us more? I believe that you got a close relationship with the current Barcelona manager, Xavi. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. Look, I, 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 at some time, at some time, I was in uh, Switzerland. It, I finished the season with Servet. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, I was home, and uh, none of the offers I had were uh, the type of uh, projects I would like to have because I see myself as, as a coach of a project, mm-hmm. and um, and I refused a couple of uh, offers, and uh, suddenly a friend of mine calls me and tells me. You know, uh, the Qatari Federation, at, at that time they had won the, the organization of the World Cup 2022. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are looking for coaches. Uh, they have a huge, massive uh, project, uh, sports project. And um, I know the, the technical director and they, they are looking for a, a coach with your profile, they want they want uh, they want a coach um, who who knows the end product 
or whatever it takes for a player to be playing at high level. Mm -hmm. But uh, they want uh, this coach to develop a program and, uh, for um, an elite, an elite of players. Mm -hmm. And uh, this caught my attention and I started to think, oh, this is quite interesting because I can go there, be there until 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, continue my education, my preparation, uh, why not? I told him, okay, let me think about it. And then they invited me to go there. Mm -hmm. So I went there and I found a, a new reality. Well, finally, uh, they, the, the, the project was very clear for me, for, very clear for them. And uh, in the end, they really wanted me to be part of the project. And... I decided to join them. Yeah. And th this is where I had the opportunity to 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 be working with um, a lot of uh, very well-known people in football, people with a voice. Mm -hmm. And one of them, one of them is Xavi Hernandez. Uh, I he, before before him uh, there was Raul Gonzalez and then uh, Raul left uh -huh. uh, and uh, Xavi came in as a um, as a counselor to to aspire academy and playing uh, for Alsat mm -hmm. uh, his brother his brother was uh, joined joined the joined him in, in in this adventure and finally he did not know me i never had talked to them they he chose uh, my department to work with Wow. And uh, so he started to be working with me, Oscar, and mm -hmm. uh, well, we started to have a, a friendship. We were um, visiting in China's houses, uh, in fact, having holidays together, and we would go out and be talking a lot, a lot, a lot about football. And you can imagine when some very passionate people about football and about uh, the training and all the these uh, these things around uh, football mm -hmm. uh, get together, and uh, we were uh, talking for hours and discussing uh, ideas and discussing uh, exercises and players and the player development. And yeah. I mean, it must have been just done, uh, unreal. I mean, it was for what he done in the game as a player and success yeah. that he enjoyed with that unbelievable Barcelona team over the years uh, was simply unbelievable. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the energy that must have came from those meetings um, and having the opportunity to exchange ideas. How did Xavi find it, you know, going from sort of the playing part of the game into the coaching role? You know, what, what how did you find out? How did he adapt? <laughs> well, there's, there's, uh, there's, first of all, it was clear for him that he wanted uh, well, he was considering at some point uh, the possibility of uh, becoming a coach. And I remember one day Oscar came to me and told me, uh, I want to ask you one question. What do you think uh, about uh, Xavi becoming a coach? Mm -hmm. And I told him, look, you want my advice? I would not advise him to go that way. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he has already is very well respected all over the world. Mm -hmm. If he becomes a coach, he might lose this uh, image mm -hmm. of uh, someone that everybody in the world loves because Xavi incorporates uh, positive football, uh, this idea of uh, proposing in a game, quality player, uh, an amazing leader on the pitch. He was very well respected. Mm -hmm. In, in all in all the world uh, football um, in a globe in this global football so this was my first uh, reaction but I knew I knew that he was uh, he had a, in his mind uh, that he wanted to become a coach and finally I knew he would have the time to prepare himself very well mm -hmm. so uh, I, I think is uh, is where he's supposed to be mm -hmm. at the moment, mm -hmm. and I I really even think that he will stay longer in uh, in uh, Barcelona mm -hmm. because, as I told you, he he incorporates this type of football, this brand of uh, uh, 
tiki tack or whatever this uh, style of play yeah so, i mean he knows the fabric of the club you know coming up with the great yeah. Johan Cruyff and uh, going through the academy um yeah. It's uh, that that's really intriguing to see how you cope there because they have been under a lot of difficulties with the financial and things of, and stuff at Barcelona. But it's uh, it's a real interesting one, and and it must be amazing for you to sort of to have that relationship with him on a personal level as well as a professional level and see yeah, how he needs to. Uh, I would two weeks ago I was there. Uh, I was there in Barcelona with them. I stayed uh, nine days or ten, mm-hmm. and uh, I was. Uh, well, with them in the training sessions and following and helping them with, well, I cannot sit. Only I, I, I was uh, there and I, I was trying to help uh, somehow uh, supporting them. And mm-hmm. it, it's 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 quite uh, interesting to see how they 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 were working and uh, that's interesting. In fact, you know that. When I, I told you that I, since the, the beginning, I started to go around and look for references, uh, coaches that I, I think I, that could bring some value to my knowledge or mm-hmm. to my information. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, I started here in Portugal with Gisaldo Ferreira that in the end, he ended up in Porto late, uh, some years after. Mm-hmm. And uh, also Mourinho, I was following. Uh, I was I had an internship with him. Mm-hmm. We became close, and then uh, I went to Barcelona. The first I was there already three times. Wow. One time, one time with uh, Frank Rijkaard. Mm-hmm. At that time, they had the Ronaldinho as a top top player. Uh, I was there with Pep Guardiola, mm-hmm. and they had this amazing team. With uh, well, Xavi, Xavi <laughs> was there, and he asked, uh, Messi, and he asked him, Messi, all these guys, Deco, uh, Eto. Uh, so they had an amazing team, also. And mm-hmm. finally, the third time with the uh, Xavi Hernandez. So yeah. Yeah. I, I have some history with the club <laughs> yeah yeah and it must be interesting to sort of see because it is it's a club going through transition at the moment uh, uh that we can see and uh, i mean it must have been so interesting sort of seeing the different parts of the journey uh you know with the three visits you had with three very famous players and and, and, and coaches our past maybe just missed uh crossing because i also enjoyed one week with barcelona around that time when they won the league with raycard as manager as you say, 2006, I think I may have been out in Barcelona around that time as well. And I enjoyed mm-hmm. a week um, looking at their academy. And it's just, it's such a great place. Because what I like about it, similar to, I've been fortunate to be at Ajax and Manchester City's new setup. And being able to train in the same area that you see the, the stadium. Because that's part of your journey as a young child coming into the academy. That's the long-term goal is to be able to be yeah. a first-team player and get a contract and play in the stadium. And I think it's just something so special that every day you go to train, even as a young player, you're getting to see the camp now in front of you and thinking, that's where I want to be. Uh, and, of yeah. course, Braga as well, um, who we have a special mm-hmm. link with in Portugal. They're the same. Their facilities that they have developed around uh, their stadium is something I always enjoy that, seeing a professional club that's got their training facilities right beside the stadium. Yeah, they have they developed a quite uh, successful uh, program and uh, project in the academy, and uh, finally they they are bringing up some uh, players from the academy to the first team, mm-hmm. and they are showing uh, quite a huge Im- improvement uh, in uh, with these players that come out of the academy, which is yeah. quite quite good. And working, you know, these internships, this is one thing that, you know, in the 30 minutes or so we've been speaking to, one thing that I get straight away from you, even as a UEFA Pro Licence coach and the experiences that you have, there's that desire, that hunger to continue your education in this game. Um, And having those visits with those different coaches, did you see, you know, all right, we understand Barcelona, there's a, a expected style of play that they have to play with. Well, what was the styles that you noticed in the coaches from right card and the Guardiola to now Xavi, you know, just uh, going into his first main role as a, as a, as a manager? Well, uh, let me tell you one thing. I, 
I also had the chance to visit uh, Ajax. Uh, and whenever I would go to a club, I would uh, follow the training sessions of the first team and the whole academy. I would stay there the whole day and from morning until night mm-hmm. for more than one week in a row, days yeah. in a row. I was, uh, as you said, hungry, and, uh, very curious uh, about uh, what they were doing. And I had the opportunity to follow a lot of uh, interesting coaches and uh, because I always felt that I should have the, a lot of uh, experiences and a lot of uh, opportunities for me to, to take uh, and add value to my, my education as a coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, for example, when you tell me about these three coaches, every single coach is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that uh, Frank Rijkaard was a very had a very easygoing uh, type of leadership, mm-hmm. uh, making all those stars all together, uh, creating a, t- a collective talent uh, without interfering with the individualities and making everything smooth and uh, nice mm-hmm. for them everybody to to perform. Mm-hmm. Well, about uh, Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola is a detail uh, mm-hmm. coach. He, he goes into details. He goes into deep dynamics. Uh, he is a creative coach. He is. Uh, uh, I like the way he approaches the game, and I like his uh, his way of uh, uh, reinventing himself. Look, I had the chance. To, to follow uh, Pep's uh, training sessions in Bayern München uh, three years in a row in, uh, in Qatar because Bayern used to go there mm-hmm. along with other teams uh, to do their um, half-season uh, uh, preparation mm-hmm. in January normally, end of December, January. And uh, I was there they were training in our academy as well as other uh, top uh, uh, coaches and uh, clubs from uh, all over Europe and other, uh, even from Asia. So I was, uh, Guardiola was able to reinvent himself, or at least his, his approach to the game. Mm-hmm. He, and I, I, I find it very interesting because in the end, look, you don't want to become predictable. Mm. And uh, I think this is one of the things that, uh, for me, caught my, uh, to me or to my, uh, according to my perspective, caught my my attention towards Guardiola. Is a, a coach that has a deep knowledge of the game and goes to the details, but he is able to 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 question himself and uh, to try to evolve and to try to come up with new things. Yeah. Xavi, Xavi is a very well-prepared coach. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I, I like the most about him, first, his personality. is He has an amazing uh, profile to become a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of it, he's very, 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 very sure of what he's doing. He's, everything is very clear for him. Yeah. Uh, he has this idea and he will go through this idea. All the time, mm-hmm. he will not change. Uh, even if uh, something goes wrong, he will not change his style of play. He can he can uh, make some changes in in a system, or he can he can uh, adapt a couple of things. For example, the way he wants a team to press. Uh, the way he wants to position the players uh, in a higher block, yes, but you will never lose this idea of pressing high. Yeah, never. Uh, he's a very aggressive uh, coach. He, he, he wants to face risks. Sometimes he will play uh, with the same amount of uh, players as the opponent bringing superiorities high up in the pitch mm-hmm. and face a risk in the defensive line, he will do it. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, this is what I like him. I like the most in him is his ambition and his uh, is seeing everything clearly. Yeah. So I I know he, he prepared himself. In fact, I had the chance to be part of some meetings with the top coaches that he was inviting to no, to Doha mm-hmm. to to train him, to to provide him knowledge, to share experiences. And I was invited to some of them, so I know he was he was really preparing himself quite well for this challenge. Yeah, and it, does, and, uh, I suppose it shows the respect and the high esteem he looks upon you as well, as well. And and looking, you know, as a manager yourself, what, I mean, what's your preferred, you know, style and system, and you know, what, what style of play do you like? I know it'll have to change depending on what club you're at, and what's expected, and the players you have. But if you had a magic wand. What is your preferred system of play and style of play as a manager? Well, I I I know that uh, football it's it's very complex, mm-hmm. but uh, I remember when I was a player, and you know, I think whoever's idea uh, of football is very related to the way not only the way you see the game but also the way you feel the game mm-hmm. as a player i hated to be defending all the time mm-hmm. as you know as a, i was a more offensive player i would hate to be long periods of time in the game running after the opponents and trying to get the ball back mm-hmm. i would hate that i was getting very angry when my team was dropping uh, creating a lower block, all compact, waiting for the opponent to attack us. I would not like that. Mm-hmm. So I think this tells you a little bit about my my style of play. I I'm more into um, uh, offensive style of play. I want my team to have the ball at uh, at our disposal, uh, at our um, with us all the time the most possible time, uh, part of the time if possible. Mm-hmm. I want to react quickly to the ball lost. I want a, a, a very aggressive uh, pressing higher up in the pitch. I just need to get information from uh, the opponent and from there I will find a way to to press them to recover the ball higher in the pitch and when it comes to build up I want to use time and space in a way that uh, I can overcome lines of pressure and arrive with the ball with quality to our uh, attacking players where we can have uh, 1v1s, uh, other type of of advantages. So, I I prefer uh, our players to have uh, the opportunity to have a ball possession. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but mostly, mostly with the the big the with the with the main concern to progress, not to have only the ball possession per se. Yeah. But uh, to use it with a purpose to find a way to break the pressure of the opponent and then try to find superiorities using time and space, creating some time, uh, increasing the spaces, attacking the spaces in a way that we arrive to the last third yeah. with quality yeah. and, criteria, and criteria mostly. Perfect. And, and what system then is your favorite then to be able to do that? Look, I've been playing. I've been playing all throughout my career in various systems. I think the one I used the most was the four-three-three because I like to play with wingers, mm-hmm. players open, and high up in the pitch mm-hmm. to to divide the defensive line. Uh, but uh, mostly, most of the times, I make decisions based on the type of players I I, I have in the squad because you know. It's not every, we coaches not uh, we are not uh, always able to find the right 
players for our ideas. So we need to look at uh, the the make a study or do a study of the squad we have in in our hands, and from there make some decisions. Yeah, yeah, makes perfect sense. But it's I mean it's been absolutely intriguing just listening to your experiences in the game. And uh, for grassroots coaches, young coaches listen to this podcast, it just is proof of the pudding. You know, you're successful. You have a pro licensed coach that has played and managed professionally in this game, but yet the hunger that's come across the past sort of three quarters of an hour so we've talked is that you always are looking to continue your education and share ideas, which is just so refreshing to hear. Um, so what does the future bring for, for yourself? You know, what are your goals next? Look, I I still have this uh, this need to to look for more. I I want to be more effective. I want to be more efficient. I want my teams to be better. Uh, mostly, I want to be challenged in a way that uh, I want to join a club where I can have the right resources to put into practice my ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that easy because nowadays uh, clubs, they just want to win immediately. And mm-hmm. uh, this, this can bring us to a very interesting uh, discussion. Sometimes people tell me, oh, but uh, uh, we want uh, a more uh, practical coach, uh, uh, with more uh, practical way of playing. But, you know, in the end, we all choose our styles because we believe our styles or the way we want our teams to play because uh, in a way that we win the games. Yeah. So I'm not choosing the style of play because I want to lose. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just my way. And... Uh, and I think all the the other coaches do the same. Yeah. But I'm sure. But I'm sure that uh, the way I see the game is more pleasant for the players. Yes. I, I never forgot I was a player before. Mm-hmm. And uh, on top of it, uh, I think nowadays uh, the industry of football is uh, is quite different than it was 20 years ago. Nowadays, we want our players to become better. We want our players to grow. We want our players to be sold uh, to other uh, clubs uh, because, in the end, it's all about uh, it's it's a business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been willing to evolve in my career in a way that. I fortunately can tell you now I understand the old chain mm-hmm. of football. I, I know how to perform, how to look for results, but I also know how to develop players. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is uh, something that uh, I always recommend to younger coaches. Please go to the grassroots, go to the acad- academies, try to learn the game as deep as you can. And from there, start to gather information in a way that you can start to be able to choose your own path. Uh, because in the end, we are, uh, we should uh, have all the tools we need mm-hmm. to to put into practice our uh, ideas and uh, to put into practice our methodology if we are able to create one. Yeah, yeah, that's great, great advice to finish on. And uh, so I'm not too sure whether you do the, the social media scene, but if our listeners would like to continue following your journey, uh, can they connect with you on any social media too? Well, I, I, I'm I, not too much into social media, but uh, yeah, I have a, a LinkedIn page uh, at the moment, João Carlos Pereira. Um, I can I can send you my my the the, the link itself. Yeah, and I'm 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 about to create uh, Twitter. I have a Twitter account, but uh, just for uh, research. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will create one under my my name. 
yeah. and uh, eventually some Instagram account. Yeah, too. fantastic. I, I, I like this. I like this idea of sharing uh, knowledge, and uh, but you know, uh, sometimes it can be. We want. We. I have it clear what I want from uh, social media. I don't want uh, uh, to go beyond that. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think it's a, it's got so many positives, but yeah, there's a, yeah. a lot of downfalls on it as well. But no, I'll certainly look forward to linking up with you on that, and hopefully at some stage, uh, meet in person. You're more than welcome anytime. Thank to you very Northern much. Adam. And Joel, thank you so much for your time today. It's been absolutely super to get such a great insight from such a top professional coach and yourself. And thank you for your time. Thank you very much, Tim. And it was it is a pleasure to be here with you and uh, sharing our our uh, uh, path. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope uh, you, you you can continue to be very successful in your project. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, you very too, much. Thank you. Take care. Ciao. Ciao. Bye-bye. Enjoy. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. Thanks to Joel and thank you to everyone for listening. Please remember to subscribe to our weekly podcast and share with your friends. You can become a paid subscriber to help support the podcast and access bonus material from only $1.99 per month. The bonus material features every guest's favourite selection of music, their dream team and a fun quick round Q&A. If you can also give us a review, it would be great. You can get a shout out by simply sending an email to tim at twsports.org just put podcast in the subject box you can also receive my weekly video training sessions by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash twsportsgroup thanks for listening I'm Tim Waring and I'll be back next week with another episode on the TW Sports Group podcast speak then and take care